Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 64 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have local attorney Matt Favreau. Uh, Matt talks Yankee baseball, talks his background, talks coaching um, coaching basketball now, and we also got a lot into uh, you know both our kids. So it was a fun episode. Hope you guys enjoy episode 64 of the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 64 of the Galen Trombley Show. I have Matthew Favreau Esquire. Esquire. Esquire, that's what they call it. Okay, so it's a fancy word for lawyer. That's what I thought, ESQ. So um, he's got ESQ after his name, before his name, probably on both ends. So this is uh, Matt Favreau. He is a local attorney in town, all-around good dude. So he's going first-ever podcast. First-ever podcast. So just t- tell everybody who doesn't know that should know who you are. So I am uh, 40 years old, born and raised in Plattsburgh, went to, uh, went to college at Providence College, great four years, like being in a country club, worked for two years after that in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, went to law school in Albany, graduated uh, 30 years to the day after my dad graduated from Albany Law School, worked in Manhattan for a year after that, and then moved home to uh, work with my dad. Um, and I was dating the girl who ended up becoming my wife at the time. So uh, I'm married. I have three awesome kids. Being a dad is the absolute best thing I've ever done and probably will ever do. Um, so I have a very good legal practice here doing a lot of different things. Uh, I'm the town attorney for five towns. I am a part-time assistant district attorney. Uh, I do a lot of family court work. I do a lot of real estate work. Uh, that's what I like most about the job right now is, uh, the variety of things I do definitely keeps it interesting. Uh, and I, I, I love being back in Plattsburgh. I was gone for 10 years from the time I left for college until the time I moved home and being back here cause you want to is exceptional. And it's a great place to raise a family. Did you move back? What? 30 roughly? I was, 30? um, it was 2007. So I was, this is a lot of math. I'm going to say we're going to really this is late in the afternoon. This is a lot for you. Yeah, I was about 27 when I moved back, somewhere in that range. And was where'd Sarah go for school? Sarah went to uh, Potsdam for a, a year, I believe, and then transferred back to Plattsburgh State. Okay, so she wasn't like Providence at all with you? Nope. I knew her basically because I knew her dad. She's uh, younger than me, so I, I knew her dad, knew who she was. You know, we just ended up kind of getting together. It's a weird, long story that Bo- nobody's going to want to hear. Both city, right? Yep. DHS? Uh, she was Peru. I oh, she was. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so going back, so Albany, um, was that the Great Danes? Like, that's still part of the same college? Albany Law School is part of Union, actually. It's not a, It's not one of the SUNY schools, so it's Albany Law School of Union University. So where's the actual campus of that? Um, if you know where Albany Med is, it's right across the street from that. Uh, so it's kind of, it's in a rougher part of the city. Um, a couple blocks from the park in the middle of Albany, the big park. I think it's... Oh, Washington Square? Yeah, it's a couple okay. blocks from there. My sister went to Albany, so I spent a lot of time, like ten years ago, in Albany, um, but not at the law, law school. So it's a, of it. from where you Albany is, it's about three miles towards downtown from there, the opposite way from the mall. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let me see. Rhode Island, Albany, Manhattan. So, 
How long were you in Albany for? Is that lost practice? Like Albany's three years. Law school's three so, years. Oh, so you were down there for quite a while then. Yep. Okay. Do you like Albany? Did you like Albany at the time? I did not enjoy my time there. Some of it's because it was law school. Some of it is law school is a fairly lonely experience because it's a lot of work. And you're a little bit older at that point, right? I was a little bit older. Yeah, not the traditional student. I mean, I think taking two years off and working was the best thing I could have done. I think if I had gone to law school right from college, I would have flunked out because it's a different mindset. It's a different way to learn. Um, you're actually learning things you're going to use in your career versus learning things to do well on a test. So you, yeah. you got to be doing it for the right reasons. And it, law school, more than anything, teaches you a different way to think, analyze, and communicate. So it's not just read a case and figure out what that case means or so read a definition. It's different. It's probably more like in actual going to the courts, going to like actually sitting down in real life situations versus what I call like college for me, the thing that killed me the most was all theory. It was all like, like yeah. hypothetical situations where you really don't, I like I had my real estate license while I was in college for about a year and a half. And I've learned more just kind of going in, you know, talking with different people in real life situations and reading it out of a textbook, you know, and basically something that is, you know, they, they have control of all the variables where we, we work together quite a bit in the real estate field. There's every deal is completely different. So you never really learn everything, you know, all the time. You're always learning. Every deal teaches you something. So, I mean, was it you found being so, in a court kind of the same? Well, so what's weird about law school is it doesn't teach you like... If you go to a closing, this is what you're going to do, or these are how to prepare documents. What law school teaches you is, here's a case, here's precedent, here's how something has been done in the past. You've now got a problem. Take your facts, make them similar or different from this case, and now make an argument based on that. So it basically teaches you how to use the facts that you're presented with in any situation to your advantage and to somebody else's disadvantage. So it's, it's teaching you how to think and communicate. And then you kind of have to figure out how to apply that to situations, which makes it tough to come out of law school. And as they say, hang up a shingle and be on your own right away. I think that's a huge problem for young attorneys is not working with other attorneys or in a firm. Yeah. Or is it firm or practice? They're kind of synonymous. Yeah. Very synonymous. Okay. So when you, uh, you get out, you go into like the actual, like, you, so you went from Albany straight down to Manhattan? Correct. So what was the jump like from Albany to Manhattan? It was significant. I mean, I, I went to Manhattan one because there was an, a job opportunity Two because I'm a crazy Yankee fan. The problem was I'd never really been to New York City other than the Yankee Stadium before that. So the summer I was studying for the bar when I got the job, my mom and I took two days to try to find me an apartment in Manhattan. And finding an apartment in Manhattan, if you've never done it, makes studying for the bar exam look like a piece of cake. That process is overwhelming, expensive. I mean, just the, the size of Manhattan gets you, but then the neighborhoods and, and subways and, and which subway to take. Yeah. So that was pretty overwhelming. But getting there, you know, I assimilated pretty quick and it was fun for a while because it was new and it was fun and you learn Manhattan, you go out in New York City. But Manhattan's also one of the loneliest places you could be because there were many times I would leave work on a Friday and not see or speak to anybody else I knew again until I got back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a city with that many people, you feel like, well, how could you be lonely? Because all you see is strangers. You don't talk to anybody else. And you know, else you know people. So yeah. that made it tough. And it, it's a different way of practicing law and doing business than you're used to coming from up here. And even from Albany. It's just something I never could have done long term. How far were you from, like, where you lived in Manhattan to where you worked in Manhattan? What was the distance? I was a seven-minute walk. I lived at the end of the, the West Side Highway. So right across the street from Battery Park at the very southern tip. And I worked on Wall Street. So, oh, okay. I mean, it's yeah. right there. So I had the advantage of no subway. You know, I, could, I walk to work every day. And that's huge because the subways and, and buses and taxis, all that just gets expensive and overwhelming and slow at times. So was this 2005, 6, 7 in that range? Uh, it was 2006 to 7. Because um, when I go down to New York City, the, I love to visit. I couldn't stay there like full time. I think part of it, like maybe like at that age when you're single, 
and not really doing much of a family, but the commute thing kills me. And that's what it was. It was great to be down there single and have fun, but I could never raise kids there. I mean, yeah. You know, there's no yard. There's no, there's things that you don't get the things that I think are important. I think people that are from there raising kids there, they get to raise their kids in that kind of an experience. And with that culture, that's great for them and it works for them. Mm -hmm. And and if it does fantastic, but it's just not what I was looking for. Yeah. No, same. So, um, so when did you, your oldest is eight, right? Colin is eight. Yep. Yeah. So, um, doing the math correct. So you came back, had a probably four years before you guys had kids. Yep. Thanks about that. So, um, this again, kind of coming from new father, um, semi new father, two years, but like, what, what, what do you think going up to like, what's your experience now from zero to eight? So the kids are what? Four, six, eight, you said, uh, uh is that right? Eight. Yep. Eight, six, and four. Yep. Okay. So you got a good gap there. So my kids are two and <clears throat> eight months. So we're kind of two years behind each kid, but like, what, what's your most I'm sure every age is great, but like what age do you appreciate the most or does it change as they get older? I kind of feel like every age they're at is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, once they're teenagers, that's probably going to stop. But yeah. I mean, every, every time I turn around, Sarah and I say, man, if we could stop the kids right now, this yeah. is the best. And then a year later, well, this is the best, you know, Colin in second grade now in his development and he loves to read. He loves to learn. He loves science, but he's also becoming a very good athlete. Um, so you kind of see that progression and then you see it differently in the younger kids. Addison um, has become an incredible student this year, kind of out of the blue. She didn't love doing homework and reading in mm-hmm. kindergarten, but this year she absolutely loves it and she's thriving. And then you see Lucy, who's just a little cut up kind of character. So each one of them are ages that I absolutely love. But a year ago, I said the same thing. So I think as they keep progressing, it's it's kind of an awesome progression yeah. to see. Well, it's weird for me because Crew just hit two. So Crew, at two, we starting to kind of put words together. Not He's not fully talking, but you can now kind of have a conversation with him where he's, he's comprehending what you're saying and vice versa. And then when I watch Oakland come up, who's you know, 17 months different, you get to kind of relive him a little bit, even though she's you know obviously a different person. But um, So I'm kind of looking forward to like the same thing. We want to stop time. We're always like, man, if you just like don't grow up, just stay little. But yep. then I know four, I know seven, I know 10 is going to be awesome because then I think... Like when, when we had crew, it was the same age my parents had me. So I have a good perspective of where my parents were now when I was his age. But like I remember so many cool things that, again, memory doesn't really kick in until probably five, six, seven anyways. Yeah, they so, say I think around five or so. Yeah, because kindergarten was when I really started picking up on stuff. But um, I'm looking forward to more of the sporting events because you talked about like that was huge when I was a kid. My, my dad took me to the baseball games, took me, I went to, you know, I like golf. So we went to golf stuff, we went to football games. I found that lately I've kind of cut back on that just because life's crazy. So yep. then when the kids start coming back, kind of like we talk about skiing. You kind of feel guilty doing things without your kids when you. Have I do, kids. yeah. So I punt it, or it's one of those deals like I used to golf. Well, now golfing is a six a.m. tee off to get done right. by nine nine thirty to get back before the kids are really kind of starting the day. Yep. Where hopefully, you know, like you said, t- taking Colin to his first baseball game at eight. Like I'm waiting for that moment, which would be so fun. Did I tell you, crew is. Uh, Cruz the lefty, so we got I. we got Good a little we got a little T, but he well we bat you said he bat you bat right he bats yep. left we got this little T and this kid is because you can't teach coordination like it's no. just one of those things they're born you with have and it or you don't. luckily he's got it hope you know my wife was fairly athletic um, so I'm hoping he put a baseball in his hand make him a pitcher left handed yep throwing left bats left will kick a soccer ball only left he will not kick a hmm. soccer ball right which again anytime you can do left left-footed or left-handed in any sport, you're automatically going to have an edge because not many people that have it. Right. And then hopefully we can make him ambidextrous, but he's definitely Mr. Lefty. 
Cool. Which is weird. No, I mean, mom's left-handed, I guess. So, um, so let me see. Back to, okay, so real estate. What, what is your favorite part of law? Because you do a lot. You said you basically have three jobs. You um, juggle them all. It's hard to say what a favorite part is because there's certainly, there's definitely challenges to every part of it. Um, what I really like the most is the variety of things I get to do from being a prosecutor and it's mostly in city court to doing family court work, to representing towns, um, to doing real estate and closings. The variety of that kind of keeps you fresh and keeps things from getting too stale. Um, and it, it gives you a really good cross section of people to be able to deal with too, because certain aspects of the job can get depressing. Family court is tough. A lot of times yeah. it's, it's people at their worst, a lot fighting over their kids or, um, just things that can get depressing and weigh on you a lot. So when you can go from that and do something else to clear your mind of whatever you just saw in family court, that's really good. And there's also great experiences in family court. I actually saw somebody today who I represented seven years ago, and he came up to me and made a point to say how great his daughter's doing and the fact that a lot of that was due to, to what I was able to do for them and get him custody, and now she's going to college. They never thought that would oh, happen. Cool. So there's those kind of things that make you feel really, really good. And, and that happening even once every six months kind of keeps you going because a lot of it can be tough and somewhat depressing in family court. Do you have a hard time keeping work and family separate? I mean, yeah. meaning like one, I, one, the workload, but then two, like stuff you see. Cause obviously, I mean, like I said, you're going from a position where you see kind of the worst of the worst to you go home and you got three kids and a wife and everybody's happy and healthy and everything like that. There's a certain amount of guilt about it, but there's also a lot of talking to, to my wife and saying, we need to remember always how good we have it and how lucky we are and how blessed we are. And, and that sounds corny and cliche, but it, I mean, when you see the things that I'm exposed to in courts every day, you, you do realize how lucky you are. And when, you know, my brother's in the situation where he lives in Aspen, right outside of Aspen now, and he's got three kids. And last year, his middle child was diagnosed with leukemia right about a year ago now. I mean, that's a kick in the butt for any family and to see what they've gone through for the last year. Mm -hmm is amazing. So Sarah and I have to tell each other every couple of days, just thank God we're not them. Luckily Sadie's doing as well as she can be in her treatment, but what it's done to them stress wise and financially and everything else for the last year is just unfathomable that it could do to a family. So, uh, there's a lot of times when it's important for us. And I think everybody to realize, even if you've got it bad, you still have it better than some. Yeah. I, well, same thing. I've, I had this moment the other day I was hanging out with, you know, my kids and, you know, kind of hanging out with crew and stuff. And, <clears throat> And of course, I, I grew up in a position where I was fairly fortunate growing up and I always look at same thing, like I'm always happy that I'm in a position that I know I, I can provide for the kids and then hopefully in a position where, you know, you can give them kind of the good memories that I had growing up because that, that'd be one thing I would have a hard time, would have a hard time living with if for some reason, you know, I couldn't provide what I would, at least what I had or better, you know, because I never want them to show up and then be like, okay, well, they they can't experience something because yeah. of because at this point they're relying on me 100 percent oh, parent guilt is a real thing it yeah. works on me every well, day well like like you guys do a good job about like vacationing and things like that like if all of a sudden i can't like my kids want to go to disneyland but i can't afford to go to disneyland or something like that then it, i almost feel like okay that i'm stripping them of a memory they could have because i didn't put my full effort into whatever i'm doing and day I, day. I felt that way for a long time and i've, I've tried to kind of get my head around because i think it's true Time with kids matters more than anything. It doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing with them. So taking your kids on a hike or to the beach for a day is as memorable and important to them as a mm -hmm. trip to Disney World. Yeah, true. It's, it's the yeah. time with mom and dad or whoever's raising the kids, that one-on-one -on -one time or that parent-child time that's important. And if kids don't, 
if you get if the kids are getting that time with their parents, they don't care what they're doing. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know, a day with dad is a day with dad, regardless of what you're doing. Luckily, I'm in a position where my dad and I and my father-in-law got to take on to his first Yankee game. But if we couldn't, if the four of us sat and watched a game with him on the couch that day, that would have been just as memorable yeah. for him because it's time with us that he craves more than what we're doing necessarily isn't as important as the time frame. Do you guys, um, like, what do you guys do from, because it's more like kind of selfishly asking for going forward. I mean, do you guys do special things like for each kid on certain days? Because I've always thought, you know, like, do you take a day where you just spend time with one kid and it's all about them? Or do you guys really try to integrate everybody? We don't really do that as much. Every once in a while, we'll notice that somebody might need some one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of tell from their behavior if they're yeah. acting out. Like, we're lucky. I'm lucky that my wife was put on this planet to be a mom. She's good at it. It's natural. It's easy for her. So she'll, she can notice usually more than I can, you know, Addie's had a rough couple days. She needs some one-on-one time with one of us. So we'll go do have a yeah. mommy date or a daddy date. And yeah. that, that usually is the trick. Or even we, take her out for ice cream or yeah, something. Just yeah, just something little like that where she knows that you're she's the only focus for you for that half hour or hour. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. you know, that's all they because we're busy. The kids are involved in a lot. I work a lot. I have a lot of meetings at night. I'm not around as much as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes they need to know that you're your they're they are a main focus, but that only takes a half hour sometimes, and then they're kind of recharged and they're good to go. You're pretty much off weekends, right? I try to not do any work on weekends. My dad has always worked from the time I was born, what I can remember, every Saturday morning. Now, is, is that just he, work, like catching up on files and paperwork? Yeah, just, you know, off, but it's not just, clients or anything No, like it's that. going to the office, no phones, nothing, just catching up on stuff. And he's always told me, I don't want you to ever start that because once you do, it's hard to ever break that. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to, you know, when I get home from work, I try to make that kid time, family time. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, with... With the digital stuff, sometimes it's impossible because people send you a text or email at 10 o'clock. They expect a response. Yeah. I try to be responsive because a lot of what I'm doing at that point is making somebody feel better about their situation. And I feel yeah. guilty not doing that if I can. But at the same time, you got to shut it off and recharge. My, my Monday through probably midday, mid-afternoon. Uh, my, I say Monday to probably 5 o'clock Friday. Like I'm on all the way through. And then 5 o'clock Friday till probably Monday morning. I'll respond to people here and there, but it's going to be, it could be two, three, four hours. It could be, and same thing. Like I'll come here sometimes on a Sunday morning to like catch up, but it's not really catch up. It's just more of like just doing projects I want to work on. But my thing is I get here at like six or seven in the morning and I'm usually home by 10, 11 and my kids wake up a little later. So they're really only up probably an hour, hour and a half by the time I get back. And they're still kind of like in the mode of like watching cartoons or eating or just kind of hanging out so i usually get to spend a lot of time and then all day saturday so it's um but that's one of the, the balances right now that i'm hopefully trying to balance is that when they become more involved in school sports things like that that those become the priorities on the list and i can now cut out on a thursday midday to go see their baseball game or whatever versus yeah. and that's something you work towards i just look at it now if i was to kind of half-ass it right now then I look, I might not have that opportunity in the future where right now I can get away with a little bit of it because the commitments are, they don't have the commitments. Yeah, having a job with some flexibility is huge because it's, you know, luckily I don't have to punch a clock. It's not an eight to four, nine to five thing. It's yeah. get your work done, make your court appearances, get where you need to go. And if you need to duck out, like dad and I coach the kids basketball at the Y. So sometimes practices are at 4.30. Mm-hmm. Go do that, you know, it works. Yeah, no, it's good balance. Um, so, I mean, when did you start like in, I got to, yeah, Yankees. So, big Yankee guy. When did you start liking the Yankees? I think from the time I can remember. I mean, my dad was always a Yankee fan growing up. That They were on WPIX. So, you, you know, you might get a game or two a week. Mm-hmm. Luckily, now we get them all. But I, I, do, I remember sitting, watching games with dad, listening to him on Wiry, which is, you know, it's still awesome that Wiry does that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's it's always kind of been just watch the teams that run. I'm a, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan because of that they were always on Hockey Night in Canada. New York Giants, same thing. They'd be on Sundays, watch those with Dad. Uh, so that's you know that's where the, the love of the Yankees came from. Then for some reason it just became a passion where, you know, I would the internet came about right around you know middle of college for me. So then you were able to read like New York newspapers and get more Yankee news than you ever could before. Mm-hmm. And it just got that much more fun for me. Cause then you feel like you kind of knew who these guys were, knew a little bit more about them. It became more than just a game. It became kind of a group to watch. And it was really nice. Do you watch them almost every game? I feel I mean, if you're home kind of deal, I will watch or listen to just about parts of almost every game. I mean, I, I'll some weekends I'll play in like mowing lawn when I can put the game on my headphones and go do that or walking the dog at night. Do you listen to John Sterling? Love John Sterling. Yeah, I'm I, the same. People love him or hate him. I think he makes it fun. The I'm players not a, I'm love not a big I mean, Susan, Susan Waldron fan. See, but. I like her too because she's so connected with the players and has so much stories and back her with them. And you can tell they like and respect her because she can get an interview with anybody. She talks that, that, to everybody. I agree, yeah. And she's the one that brought Yogi Berra back into the Yankee family. He had been ostracized for so long after Steinbrenner fired him, and she brokered the peace between Yogi and George, and that's what got him back into the Yankee family the year that Coney pitched his perfect game. He pitched Was it 98? 99. He pitched yeah. it on Yogi Berra Day. And oh, right. yeah, yeah. Don Larson threw out the first pitch that day to Yogi Berra wearing Joe Girardi's glove, gave it to Girardi, and then Coney went out and threw a perfect game with Larson in the stands. That's pretty That's cool. That's the only thing you can get if you're a Yankee fan. Like, that yeah. only happens well, to that only, franchise. He's uh, only a World Series perfect game. He is. Yeah. Um, so when was your first Yan- – like, did, when was the first time you went to Yankee Stadium? It was a year of Little League. I don't remember the exact year, but pl- playing Little League, and Dad and my brother and I went on the li- – we they got a bus. We went down. I, they must have played – I can't remember who they played. I remember Melito Perez pitched for the Yankees. The Yankees lost because that's all they did back then. I remember my dad was scared out of his mind through going to the Bronx, and it was the Bronx back then, and it had this horrible reputation. Was this early 90s probably? It had to be early 90s, maybe even late 80s. Cause, yeah. So Little League for me you know, was 10, 11, 12, so it would have been 88, 89, somewhere in yeah. there. Um, I don't remember a ton about that game. We went to more, We went to a couple games at the Big O, exhibition games, Yankees and Expos. I remember more of those games. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, um, and then Dad and I went to in two thousand and three. We went to a game. It was back when the right field bleachers were the big place to sit. Section fifty three and fifty five and fifty seven. The right field where they did where they started the roll call from and all that craziness. Yeah. We went to a Yankee Red Sox game there one day, and it was probably the most fun four hours I'd had in a long time. Just because and of this what, was you what age for you? So or I what was, year I should say? I was in Newport at the time. It was after college, before law school. So twenty one, twenty two, somewhere in there. So early 2000s? Yeah, it would have been probably 2002 or three, somewhere in there. That's cool. It was the year Ted Williams died. I only remembered that because it had to be 2002. Yeah. Because we were pl- they were playing Boston, and there were some Boston fans there that were getting razzed pretty good. And some of the drunk Yankee fans were telling the Boston fans to go back and guard the airport, obviously after 9-11, which was a wonderful thing to say. And then they were, <clears throat> they were selling um, shaved ice in a cup that day, and the Yankee fans started telling the Boston fans that it was Ted Williams in a cup because he had just died and wanted to be cryogenically frozen. So those kind of, I mean, that kind of humor, was, it was just great. You know, that's what you well, expected that was, that from the right field bleachers at Yankee Stadium back then. Well, that that was, uh, yeah, like the bleacher creatures. I mean, that's... The bleacher creatures, the roll call, the guys that chant box seats suck. I mean, it was wonderful. We uh, we went last April, and it was me, Chris, and a couple other guys. We went down, and we had, we had seats on the first baseline. So we watched the first game from there. We got up and walked around a little bit because it's baseball, and, you know get a drink, walk around, hang out, kind of see some stuff. And then the second day, same tickets, which were phenomenal. And we went up and we stood in the right field. Like we were, compl- we had, we basically went and stood in the cheapest place you could stand in the stadium. It, but it's the most fun. Yeah. There was almost a fight. 
some some guy threw popcorn or not popcorn uh peanuts and the shells got over some person and the cops were all there and it was we were just sitting there cops like guys leaning on me yelling at a guy and we're just kind of minding our business yankees won like 11 2 it was but my first yankee game was like three years ago ever i've never been down to a yankee stadium game and me and my dad we were actually down for the so you never saw the old stadium no and i've always wanted to um the first opportunity that i had to go down to Yankee Stadium was 2009, which was the first year of the new stadium. Mm-hmm. And it would have actually been a Yankee Red Sox game, which I, now looking at it, wish I would have, because they won the World Series, I think, that year. They it did. was 2009, right? Yeah. Yep. So that would have been kind of cool, but I didn't. And then we actually went down to watch the President's Cup in 2017, which was uh, Liberty National, which was right across the harbor. Um, so me and my dad snuck off one night to go watch the Yankee game, which was the stadium's beautiful. It is incredible. And then we went last year and we watched two games back to back. So I've been three times in probably three years. I've been to Fenway twice and then I've more than I can count at Olympic Stadium when I was a kid. So I'm still an, I'm still a huge Expos fan. I know they've been gone. If they come back like if they come back, I think do you think they're coming back? I do. I do too. So I'm very pro Expos. If they come back and they do it in downtown Montreal, I'm contemplated season tickets. I know I won't go to all of them, but I'll probably split them with people or whatever. But if they're in the AL East, I mean, which how, I think how, I think to survive, that's the only way you have to do it. Yeah, if they're going to put a team there, it should be they should be in the AL East, just with the amount of teams they could play. Well, you're literally going to have what nine? You're going to have twenty one. No, you have twenty seven home games, right? Against because they have about nine home games a year against a team. They split you, about eighteen games, um, eighteen nineteen, something like that. Yeah. So you're talking at least nine Yankee home games, nine Red Sox, and nine. Toronto games, which yep. would be huge. Um, so who, who's the, the Yankees are playing? Who you said in preseason? Is Toronto up there? No, they're in Montreal. I think the 23rd and 24th of March. But they're playing who? Toronto? They're playing Toronto, yeah. Because I watched them play the Red Sox a few years back, and they had like 50 stuff. It was 50? It was 55? Something like that. They almost packed the whole stadium. Um, so that's, to me, kind of shows that they still have some interest in baseball up in Montreal, I would hope. There's a lot of, if you go up there, I think the, I think I read a fact a couple years ago that the Montreal Expos hat was one of the top-selling hats in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, the strike in 94 affected that franchise more than anybody else. They were the best team in baseball that year. They were the best in the NL. The Yankees were the best in the yeah. AL. And then baseball just never recovered up there. My first time I watched was 1998. I remember I watched, uh, it was uh, Mark McGuire, so it was the Cardinals. And I remember, like, that, that was, well, 1998 was when he had the, the home run. he and Sosa had the home run derby. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it, it was that year. And he didn't home run at the time, but that was a pretty that was pretty cool to see him first time. And I think it was like the first time I remember going to Montreal, even though I think I'd been before um, as a kid. But yeah, Montreal is great. Um, the other question I want to ask: Where's your love of Christmas come from? Can you give I, up prefaces for people that do not know this? <laughs> like you're basically you're basically Santa. Yeah. So I start celebrating Christmas. My birthday is early October, and I've always said that my birthday officially starts the holiday season. I don't really know where it came from. I and mean, Christmas is always a big deal. My my parents did a great job. My mom's always done. You know, Christmas was always done right in my house. Mm-hmm. Very for, very formal and traditional. You know, white lights, not blinking, that kind of stuff. I don't know where the crazy love of it has come from, but it's certainly it's always been there. I love the music. Mm-hmm. I love. I love Christmas cookies. I certainly love Christmas cookies. Uh, I've always liked buying presents more than getting them for people. Mm-hmm. But now with kids, it's just taking on a whole role, a whole different role of uh, of fun and magic and what you can do for the kids. And that, I mean, that whole lead up really from now, it starts kind of early November. They just start getting geeked up for it. And you have such a small window with kids to make it that awesome yeah. magical time that 
Man, just do it big. You probably have a solid, what, maybe, maybe 10 years? If you're lucky. Maybe. I mean, Colin already is kind of starting to yeah, I was come saying, home from school and say, you know, some kids say Santa's not real. And, yeah. That, and you can tell he's fighting it right now. And that's it's killing me because he's only eight. And I felt like, I think man, you, we'd have I think at least, hope at least to, 10. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think you hope to get to 10. But the problem is all the kids nowadays, I think. Yep. And especially with, like, internet and stuff like that. Like, people, like, things slip. Um, so, the one thing I'm... I think you guys do a good job of, obviously you like Christmas, but you just mentioned, I think, is Sarah, I'm, I'm assuming, just like blows it out of the water with Christmas? She, not as big as me, which is surprising if you know her dad, because her dad is more probably crazy Christmas than I am. Really? But he's like the Clark Griswold Christmas, where it looks like the North Pole has thrown up on his front lawn. Every, I mean, it looks cool. It's not the style I would Does ever get all do. the plastic? everything 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 and inside his house the entire first floor of his house there's garland around all the molding lit garland they take all the pictures off the wall and wrap them like presents oh god they literally put an addition on their house a couple years ago to add closet space just to store christmas decorations he put in a new shed this year just to store christmas decorations but i give him credit i mean the decorating of his house is 10 to 12 days every year but they he loves the process of it he puts up three gigantic christmas villages Inside so, his house. So, do, um, do you guys decorate the outside of the house too? Oh, heck yeah. Okay. So this year I punted that. I, I didn't do it. Um, it was just, I think it was like one of those cold days and Christmas was a little bit... No, Thanksgiving was late this year. Thanksgiving was late. So you got to find the window in November to put the lights up but not turn them on. Yeah. And that's that's the problem because I always end up waiting until after um, Thanksgiving. But again, like I, I like the whole process of it. Time-wise, I had no time to... We were doing a bunch of stuff with like heating in our house and, and things. And like by the time that Christmas came around, I was so burnt out with other projects. I'm like, I, I don't want to spend a, half my Sunday putting stuff up to tear it down like yeah. three weeks later. But I do like it. Um, the double Christmas tree we didn't do this year, but I think I might take a page. We have five. We had five, yeah. Yeah, so again, putting in perspective. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I think the Christmas thing with, with the kids is the most exciting I think for me is I can't wait. Cause right now my son's born on Christmas too, which is a whole nother dynamic. Yeah, ours but, was a couple days before, which is cool. Yeah. So it's uh, and, and again, I was 24th growing up. So for me, I always liked it cause it was just like the big crescendo of the year. Yep. Um, and to be honest, I think as I've gotten more, as I've gotten older, the 24th like birthday is really cool because everybody's excited about Christmas and everybody's like just home and around anyway. Yeah, yeah. And like to throw, to throw my birthday in there, my birthday means nothing anymore compared to, you have kids now. So right. like my birthday is like, your birthday is going to get more fun for your kids in a couple of years than it is for yes. you. Cause that's so, what we see with our kids. They yeah. love mom and dad's birthday. Exactly. So I'm, I'm excited when they start saying, and, and for me, me and my son being a day apart, it's going to be cool to like really yeah, share a birthday. That's very cool. And you know, he'll probably end up just hijacking my birthday as the, the cake day for him, which is cool. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Cause he's, I mean, like I said, kids change your life, but, um, if I have anything else, anything else you want to, chit chat about if you could change anything you've done as a parent what would it be as a parent um have you answered this question before for yourself nope i'm just curious man as a parent um the reason i ask is you know i we talked about parent i always feel like i could be doing something different better so getting somebody else's perspective well, is this, this is what i was asking about with sarah because i this is where I, i'm very bad at and i think just the Females in general would be better because Gina's way better at this than me. She she foresees things and plans ahead of time better than I do. So when it comes to presents, like I'm the guy that has Amazon Prime because I wait till three days before <laughs> to order something. Um, but I think maybe that is having a little more foresight of 
the planning because I love Christmas and I, I could do anything for the kids. I just don't take the time. I'm just like running around every day chaotic. So like for me, when I'm able to like slow down, I just focus on the kids and it's not like trying to prep for other stuff where Gina does a great job. I guess maybe it's that kind of prepping or having a few more things set in stone where I could for the kids maybe instead of rushing to get it done or not or skipping it because I waited too long. I think from an actual kid time, I'm pretty good. Like when I'm with the kids, I really try to focus on the kids, which is always going to be a struggle just with the nature of my business and my mind's always running a million miles an hour. So just trying to really shut it off and hang out with the kids. But I think I do a pretty good job with that. Um, especially at a young age, I say fairly young. I mean, I had my first, my son was born when I was 28. So that's pretty young in today's standard for kids. Most people, I mean, nowadays people in their thirties having their first kid is very common where our parents had us much younger. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm able to kind of like a lot of my friends don't have kids yet. So, um, I've really drew, drew a pretty good balance. I think with, you know, I have a lot of my priorities in life are the, my family, and and work so which is work to support here but also support the family in the long run so i've done a really good job of that where i've kind of punted the the fun aspect if that makes sense like mm-hmm. the, the leisure time or going to parties like i get invited to a lot of things my friends are always nagging like well why aren't you coming to this that i'm like it's a saturday night i'm not like i can go out i can hang out with you guys but then i lose time with my wife and my kids and if they're not involved then it makes a very i get that guilt trip of this is my two days a week yep like so weekends, I very rarely leave the house unless I'm doing something with the kids, which is my decision totally to make it happen. I, I don't know. I'm sure it will, things will pop up, but I don't know. What do you think? It, I mean, I, 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 probably nothing I would really change. You're always going to regret. I think there's always regrets and guilt, but I think, you know, just spending time with kids, trying to do more experiences than gifts. I mean, the big plastic yeah. toys, you can't, I can't get rid of those out of the house fast enough. Yeah. I'm the same. Uh, and just, you know, you know, like I said, my dad and I are coaching basketball. I played hockey and baseball growing up. I know nothing about basketball, but the kids that we're coaching don't know that, could care less, yeah. are having fun. My kids love that it's me and granddad doing the coaching. Yeah. Well, your so, dad played a lot of basketball, right? And he still played. He still plays Tuesday and Thursday Is at the it? Y. Oh, good for him. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, good. Um, a real quick story. I just want to tell more about the community we live in that's, you know, kind of a cool thing. I mentioned that my niece has leukemia, and my dad and I, dad also teaches spin class at the Y three days a week. So we wanted, and I guess the background is Sadie, my niece, was is into maintenance chemo, which sounds good, but it just means that the amount of chemo in her is steady. They were talking about doing radiation because the leukemia was in her spinal column when she got diagnosed, and that's really bad. If they had done radiation, she'd have some significant long-term impacts like loss of memory and potential infertility and just things that when you're, when you're talking about a three-year-old, you just can't even predict. So St. Jude's got involved and looked at her records and I guess determined that there'd be such a small difference in the percentage of the leukemia coming back if she didn't do radiation that they decided with her doctors not to do it. And that really changed everyone's outlook on this because radiation was going to be tough. So my parents, my mom and dad and I wanted to do a fundraiser for St. James. We ended up doing it the Saturday before Christmas. We called it Spinning for Sadie at the Y. They let us do a a three-hour spin class there. And really just through word of mouth that we're going to do it and a little bit of fundraising, um, in only about 10 days worth of time, we raised over $16,000 for St. Jude's Jesus. Had through just people we knew in the community, not even businesses, just people we knew, people we worked with. I mean, I would have gone. I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. it was just, we kind of, not that we kept it quiet on purpose, but we didn't want it to be like a big money grab. Just, hey, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. We had businesses donate, like Starbucks gave a big donation of food and coffee, and everybody that came brought Christmas cookies, and it was 
we uh, at one point we took a video of my dad as he's going 100 miles an hour and sent it to my brother, and he and Sadie watched it and sent a video back. And there's this video of Sadie bald as a stick, chanting "Go, Granddad, Go," which awesome. just brought everybody to tears. Yeah. But it was it's just one of those things that doing it you felt so good that one you did it, and two so many people would come out and support it, yeah, uh, and, and do something to help you out. That it was just the most uplifting feeling. It's not a lot of communities I think would have done it that way. Uh, it's just a. Uh, a testament to how special this community is and the people around here that it happened that quickly and we got that much money. Uh, and people were genuinely, I mean, everybody was in tears that day hugging my parents. We can't believe you're still going through this. But yeah. it was very uplifting at the end of it. And that's kind of the message that we live in a community where when people need help, it's there. And I think that is a great sign for this area. Yeah. No, I, I think that's one of the, like I, I grew up, I'm sure your parents were the same way growing up. They were very like genuine, gen, generous with like money and time and, and stuff. And my parents were the same way. So I kind of grew up seeing that. My dad was always, even just a little leaving the store, you know, when people are walking by tables of stuff, like stopping and donating to whatever, yep. even if you have no clue who the people are, what they're donating, like the time they're out there, you know, obviously there, there's a good cause for everything you're trying to donate to. And, you know, I've, I've luckily I've kind of gotten that, um, a good mindset of I try to give back as much as I can and you know and it's but it's it's a feel good thing and I think at the end of the day like one of my big goals with a lot of the stuff that you know obviously like I'm working and it's good and you kind of you build up your you know basically you build up your wealth as you're working and everything else but like one of my big goals is to give a lot back to the community down the road and, and again this is throughout my life but hopefully significantly in you know 40 50 60 years but like that's the kind of stuff that it's a cool goal that you can always work towards. But yep. I think there's so many people in our area. I mean, we've of course we did when we came up with the local matter slogan for a company. Like it has more to do. It's not it's not a real estate slogan. It's it's a slogan of. I mean, we we tied it in with we're an independent business, but also the fact that I really believe in building. Like you need people to build up the community and really be pro Plattsburgh and want to build it up. And I think yep. we have a lot of those people here. And I think every every year we get more and more and i think there's been a big push over the last few years at least or maybe it's just i'm really recognizing it now of people that are trying to make our area you know really invest in the area and i think there's a lot of when it comes you know when you're talking about economic development or just talking about you know support and local donations and stuff like that i think this community is a very giving community and we talk about like manhattan you could walk down the street and not recognize anybody yep I mean, I I know you and I can't go to a restaurant without recognizing at least right. one or two people at the table. So I mean, it's I think that's a cool thing that I like about the community. Like I went I went out to lunch today, and uh, with Ellen, and I knew th- three of the four tables that were there. I knew somebody at each table, and you know, I knew two people working there. So it's like he kind of. Yeah, and I it, love that figure. Yeah. There's a saying I don't know, saying or a slogan, whatever. When you have more food than your neighbor, you don't build a bigger fence. You build a bigger table. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's very true, and people around here are very good at that. I mean, you see fundraisers all the time, and they always seem to surpass whatever their goal was. Which is incredible, because the one thing I have a hard time with, I hate asking people for money. It's kind of like what you guys said. It's like, yep. I hate making people feel obligated to give, and usually if it's a donation, I'm like, it's a great cause. If you can't give, I, I to, like, I'm not going to think less of you because right. you don't give any anything. And, um, and there's... I think most people feel that way because they know our community is only so big. So a lot of people get hit over and over and over and over yeah. again. But that's the one thing I always have. a Like I wish I could give, you know, thousands to each donation. But again, it's a small business and you guys are the same way. It's right. like how much do, can we allocate, you know, within our means to give. And then you always feel bad that. And some obviously you're closer to like, like this one was way, way closer to you guys and maybe a 
a golf fundraiser or something where exactly. the cause is good. But at the end of the day, you got to kind of pick and choose your battles. And, yep. um, that's the hardest thing. And, and with us being a little bit more involved in the community, I'm starting to see the donation requests pile up, which again, it's, I love it cause I like giving back, but it's always, I think going to be a struggle and I hate, you know, it's kind of trying to allocate resources, I guess, towards that and, and being able to give. But, um, have you, you did, did you do the spin bike class? I did the first hour and then I did two half hours as people were coming in and out. So I did two hours of spinning and it was tough moving for a couple of days. I, I've never done a spin class before. It was a lot of fun. I mean, the way they do it, I mean, they crank the music. It's a lot of energy. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to D- go. Does do. the bike, like what, does the bike raise and lower or how, how like, or does the resistance pick you, up a certain there was a, Yeah. You, you, so you're doing like a jog, which is, you know, a standing, like you're going up a hill. So you, mm-hmm. a good song with a good beat. A lot of resistance. You'll do a sitting sprint where you're just pedaling as absolute no resistance as fast as you can, thirty second intervals. Yep. Um, a climb. So the way I've seen him run the way Dad Rose is you pick songs based on what you're gonna be doing. And you know, one song's a sprint, one song's a jog. So you're doing something kind of different, your heart rate's going different, but you it, the hour goes by fast and you have a ton of, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, that's cool. How big is the space? How many bikes? Um, I wanna say there was eighteen to twenty bikes. That was at the top floor at the Y. The last time I went into the Y, I think was youth basketball, like twenty years ago. I just have never been been back for whatever reason. But I mean, they must they have a weight room, right? And they have racquetball yeah, they, courts. They have a very nice weight room, good racquetball courts, basketball. Our they kids have, have been in swim lessons there since they were six they months old. Yep. How is the swim class for kids? Awesome. The Saturday morning is taught by Maria. She is a godsend for children. She's been teaching since she was like sixteen. And she, she's unbelievable with kids from first time in the pool up through kids that are like 13. Wait, what's her last name? Uh, I'm blanking on it. I should have. Kadju. C-A-D-I-E-U-X. Oh, maybe I don't know her. She's just, she's just a, first of all, a phenomenal person. But as far as teaching little kids how to swim and be comfortable with the water, you couldn't find anybody better. Because we, we wanted to, uh, well, actually, um, the bar, uh, Jess and Jay, didn't they have yep, the same in, class? They're in there, yep. So... We wanted to get crew into it. We never did, and he still hasn't. So I don't know if two two is too late to get Absolutely him in. Absolutely not. Nope. You think it's good? I would, and I would. I don't know. The other teachers there, I'm sure, are great. Maria does the Saturday morning from I think 8:30 till noon. She's, there's like seven different classes based on ability and age. And you just sign up for whatever yep. one, or based on ability. Yep. She's and she's awesome. Yeah, I got I got to check on that because I'd like the kids to learn how to swim. It's a good skill. It's something. It's, I mean, it's a life saving skill. Do you guys have a pool? We don't have a pool. My in-laws have a pool. My parents live on the lake. So the kids knowing how to swim was important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, yeah. I, I grew up in a lake, not a pool. So the pool was always kind of a, it was okay. But then I had cousins that swam in a pool and never swam in a lake because they freaked out. But I mean, I was used to the algae and stuff. The yeah, champy's like, out there. Yeah. Well, he's fine. He's friendly. He's, that's the rumor. I've seen cartoons of him, you know? <laughs> so um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? That's, that's clocks behind. And I got to go coach basketball. So to, to be honest, I'm, I'm, waiting for I'm actually getting kind of hungry. So I'm always hungry. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to end it there. Sounds um, good. Thanks, man. This is uh, Matt Santa Claus Favreau. Um, that's me. It was good. And uh, if you guys need to follow him, Court Street, reach out. If you guys need legal legal practice stuff, I'm sure he's busy. But, you know, he's always a, he's always a good time. So, all right. Go coach basketball, you said right now? Yeah. Game at the Y, 530. Oh, we're, yeah. Okay. We're playing the Bulls. Knicks against the Bulls. What are you guys, the Knicks? We're the Knicks. You got a good Ewing on your team? We have Patrick a lot Ewing. of good little players on our team. It's great. That's fun. Been a really Do, fun year. They play on 10-foot nets, or you guys lower it? They lower them, I think, to eight. Oh, that's good. So yeah. the kids can actually like it. It's yeah. easy enough. What will the scores get up to? Probably like 20 to 30, somewhere in that range? Yeah, I would say most games are somewhere. We don't really, I don't think we keep score, but I would say somewhere 25 points is probably average, somewhere yeah. in that range. And how many kids per team? 
We've got 13, so usually you get Ooh, 10 okay. or 11 to show up, so you get you know two rotations and then an extra oh, sometimes. Yeah, that's good. Cool. All right, we're on there. Um, we got uh, Phil Jackson's going to go coach his Knicks there. So. Well, he's the Bulls. He's now part he was, of the Knicks organization, though, yeah, right? I think he was both. I think he flamed out with the Knicks, but... Yeah, which is crazy. He didn't have Jordan. It's all right. All right, that's it. Episode 64, Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.